We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 Limited Edition Smart Bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. They're staying in the shadows. It's called probing. Make sure things are all clear. Clear for what? For the rest of the world. You guys hear that? Welcome to the show, everybody. I am your host, Tony Merkel, and I am really glad that you're here, and I'm really glad to be here. I want to do a quick reminder, let you guys know that I am going to be doing an episode where it features myself. And so what I would like for you guys to do is send in some emails with some questions that you'd like to have answered on the show. My email is theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. That's theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com. Or you can go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section, and you can reach me that way as well. If you guys get a chance, please go ahead and rate and review the show on iTunes. I saw some people were doing that this week, and I greatly appreciate it. I read all the comments. Thank you very much. Today, we have a great show coming up. Riley comes on to share a UFO encounter and also a paranormal encounter. It's going to be a good show tonight, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the interview with Riley. Okay, tonight I have a great guest coming on, Riley. Uh, Riley, you contacted me uh, a little bit back and you shared with me that you were, you know, just graduate. I think you said you were just graduating high school uh, and you were joining the, the Navy. Um, Riley, how are you doing tonight? I'm well, Tony. How are you? I'm, I'm doing good, man. Uh, I wanted to first off say thank you for your courage to join the military and serve the country. Um, we were talking about that a little bit before the show. And um, I just wanted to let you know, man, thank you very much for the sacrifice that you're, you're entering into for the country. And, um, you know, you got a bright future doing what you're about to start doing. So uh, congratulations on that, man. So you just graduated high school, right? This year, if I believe. I'm going into my senior year, actually. Okay, gotcha. You're going in your senior year. I misheard you. Uh, now, you shared with me that you have um, two different stories you'd like to hit on tonight. The first one is a UFO story. The second one is a ghost story. Uh, how old were you when the UFO story kicks off? Uh, I was in sixth grade, so probably 12 Okay. or so. Gotcha. All right, well, walk us into uh, what happened with that. All right. So as you, as you said earlier, uh, the military is, is a big part of my life and it has been since I was a very, 
young kid. My father's a former Navy pilot, so I was kind of brought up in the military aspect. So when I turned 11 or so, I started really getting into airsoft, which was like, it, it, they're just little guns that shoot plastic BBs. And I don't know, it's just fun to mess around with your friends, I guess. But I live on an island off the coast of Massachusetts. And there's a lot of farms on the island. They're not populated uh, after the summer. So in the fall, when all the you know tourists start to leave, people who rent houses on that farms, if you have any connection to the farm, you can just run around and play with your friends. So me and maybe five of us were uh, running around playing airsoft on a farm on the southern end of the island uh, right during Superstorm Sandy, um, if, any, if you remember that. And then we were running around in this big field probably at like 9.30 at night. The storm was like starting to get kind of bad. And I was coming out of the woods with my team, you know, me and two other guys. And we see over this field like a blue orb. Um, and we're not – nobody's really sure what it is. We all saw it. And I, I just talked to the people the other day and said, yeah, we, we all saw this thing. It wasn't just you. So everybody still remembers it. It was like a, almost like a blue Christmas light bulb, but much brighter. Um, and it was probably 50 yards away from us and maybe seven feet off the ground. So it was, it was all things considered pretty close. And it was probably baseball sized, but at that distance. So it was pretty big. And we looked at it for a while and it kind of seemed like it might be looking back at us, but I can't like confirm that because it was just a big glowing ball. So I couldn't really say what it was doing. And then in our cocky, super young teenage boy ideas, we were just, well, let's, let's shoot at it and see if we can make it react. So we, we shot at it with the airsoft guns and it like just disappeared real quick. Like as soon as the noise from the, the, the BB guns went off, just poof, gone. I don't know if it, I don't remember if it like zipped away or if it just disappeared. I think it just disappeared into pretty much thin air. And we ran over there and we couldn't find anything. No remnants or we, we, there was nobody on the property, but us and the person who owned it, who was one of uh, our moms. And so there was nobody with a flashlight. There was nobody, Anywhere there were no footprints and it had been raining, we would have seen footprints in the mud. So no idea what happened, what it was, where it came from, where it went. And to this day, it still still freaks me out a little bit because I, I still have no idea what it was. Like, I, I think it was some form, of, I guess I would classify it as a UFO because it was flying and I, it was unknown and it was an object. So fits all the requirements, but I can't, can't tell you what it was exactly. I wish I knew. We all wish we knew, but, um, we haven't seen it since. I haven't been back there really too much since (laughs) I haven't wanted to go back to that field, but I don't know. That's, that's about it for that. Okay. Uh, for one, you haven't been back to the area because, because of this incident, uh, a lot of it's because of that incident, but uh, also, you know, that when we got to high school, that friend group kind of split up because we started going to different schools and stuff like that. So we just haven't really been back there too much. But I, 
there's been times where I've been invited to come back and I've just avoided it because I didn't want to go back to that place. Yeah, gotcha. With this orb, was there was there light that was like illuminating, like projecting itself out? Was it or was it just like a this blue orb? Do you know what I mean? Like, was it like a light bulb or was it like shining out light? It was, I guess it was kind of like a light bulb because it didn't really illuminate anything in the area. Actually, you know what? The best way I can describe it is like, I don't know if we have any Star Wars fans, but if you've seen like a blue lightsaber, it looked like just a big circle of like a lightsaber blade. So it was kind of like, I don't know, it didn't make any noise, but it just, it looked like it was a circular glowing kind of ball, I guess, sphere. Do you remember what time of day this was? Was it, you know, I know you said, it, I think it was like in the evening or something, but what, as far as like daylight goes, was it dark out or was it still daylight? I know the storm was going on, um, but can you describe like what the environment was when it comes to that? Yeah, um, we were, it was, I think, 9.30 at night. So in, in Massachusetts in late September, it's that's pretty dark. Um, so it was it was well into the night. Like, it w- wasn't light out at all, really, except for, you know, a few lights from the house off in the distance. But we couldn't see anything except for what we pointed our flashlights at and uh, the water because it was right on a river. But... We, we, there was no light from anywhere. It was pitch black and we just, we didn't see it from the tree line, which is another thing. Cause we were in the middle of the woods and we didn't see it until we had completely, you know, gotten into the field and it wasn't giving off any light. We didn't, nothing that it could have reflected. It wasn't a reflective surface cause there was no other light that it could have reflected. So we don't really know what it was. Okay. Now, you described it earlier as um, something that you thought it was aware of you guys. So, I mean, I guess to you it seemed fairly intelligent, or how how would you describe that feeling? Because it gives you a feeling of, you know, it knows that you're there. What made you feel it like that? Um, I, don't, I don't know. Um, I, I think it's like, I don't know how, how I think you go in the woods often, because of the Pennsylvania Sasquatch research, I'm sure. But um, if you've ever, uh, you know, come across like a deer or something or or any sort of wildlife and you can see that it's looking at you, but it doesn't move and you're looking at it and you know that you're, that you're both aware of each other's presence and it doesn't react. Neither one of you reacts until the other one does. It was kind of that, like that kind of feeling. So like it, I felt like it was aware of me and I felt like it knew that I was aware of it. So we were just kind of at a stalemate. In my opinion, I could be completely wrong because it was just, you know, a light. But in my opinion, I think that we were just at, you know, kind of a Mexican standoff. We both didn't know what to do with the other person or other entity. And we both knew that the other one knew we were there. So it didn't do anything in particular to make me feel like it was watching me. It didn't move really until we shot at it and then but you know if you ever come across like a rabbit and it just doesn't move and but you know that it's looking at you it was that kind of feeling okay that makes sense you know so 
it's nine thirty at night. It's dark out. I mean, I'm on the East Coast too. I mean, I know what you're talking about. It's dark out. So seeing this blue orb in the field, it's not like you're in the middle of a storm and there could be debris flying around that you see and you thought, oh, that looks like an orb or something like that, and but it really was and it was trash or something. That That's not an option here because it was dark out and you see this light in the middle of a field. Now, uh, how you said it was, I believe you said it was about seven feet off the ground, if I remember correctly. Um, was it like moving at all or was it just like hovering in one spot? It was hovering in one spot, but uh, funny you mentioned that because now I'm thinking back. It's a little fuzzy because I don't, I don't have a great memory, but um, I, I think that I remember it, you know, kind of pulsing, like the light was getting just faintly brighter and then duller repeatedly, like very slowly. Enough that like thinking back on it, I think it was noticeable, but no, no real just movement. It looked like it was perfectly still, perfectly still. It's funny you say that. Uh, I don't know if I've shared this on the show before, but if I have, sorry, you'll hear it again. Um, I was in the woods once with uh, three other guys. We were at um, the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, and I saw a light in the in the woods, and this light was just inside the canopy of the tree line, of the trees, and like you said, it was pulsating. It would it would it would pulsate it would pulsate in then go out go in go out but when it would go in it would never totally go out like where you couldn't see you could always see it was there it's just like getting brighter and dimmer brighter and dimmer and all of a sudden just kind of pulsated dimmer again but it then just was gone it just like the light just wholly dimmed out and it was gone is that kind of like what you would describe it as for you like kind of like dimming up and down with the light yeah yeah I would say it was you know kind of dimming and then getting a little bit brighter and then dimming again. Um, when it went away though, it was like light switch just off. It was gone. That's really interesting. I find the, um, this orb phenomenon, uh, really fascinating. I mean, one, because I, I don't know if it was an orb or not. I mean, it was pretty far from us, even though we saw the light and stuff, it was pretty far from us. So I don't know, like, I can't say it was a ball or the size of a softball or anything like that. It was just, for me, it was a light inside the forest that was pulsating. Um, so I, I find this very interesting and especially since you said that you saw this during the storm. Now, have you ever, uh, heard of anybody else saying they saw something like this during a storm in your area? Um, I've heard of people experiencing similar things in storms before in my area. There is one other person who claimed that they saw this, I think the same night in their garden out their kitchen window. Um, I have no, she, the, I found out that she did this at the, that the ghost encounter at the hotel, cause we were there together and she told me that she had seen it that night, which was, you know, a funny coincidence. But um, other than that, I've, I haven't heard of anybody in my area aside from the three people who are two people who are with me. Uh, who's seen it at all. No. I'm not sure if that's a coincidence. So now let me ask you, this lady that told you that, do you know how far she lives from where you saw it? Um, not far. Um, my, I look, like I said, I live on an island. So the island is a grand total of, you know, 20 miles and about five miles, you know, top to bottom. And she was maybe two or three miles 
from the farm. So, I mean, not far at all, really. Okay. And, but she described it as a blue orb as well. Yeah. She's I like, cause I had, I mentioned it, um, while I was there and I had mentioned, you know, this is pretty much the only paranormal experience I've had in the past. And she's like, exactly what you're describing happened to me that exact same night. And I'm like, wow. Okay. But, um, yeah, she didn't go into too detail about what she saw. She just said that she agreed and had seen exactly what I was describing. Gotcha. Yeah. It makes me wonder. I mean, there's so many different theories you can draw up from this. I mean, you could say that, you know, somebody could say this, these orbs had something to do with the storm. Uh, you could say that the orb that you saw is the same one as she saw, or they were different. And if they were different, uh, why were they out at the same time during a storm seen by two different people? Even if it was the same, you could say that. There's just so many different things that I find peculiar with this storm. Yeah, it was a it was a weird storm. There were reports along the whole East Coast of weird stuff happening during it. Yeah, you know, I, and I remember that. I, I remember the storm clearly. I remember the storm, and uh, I don't remember hearing about weird paranormal stuff happening. But I should look into that. Yeah, man, look at in New York. New York had some fun stuff happen then. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, because I don't know. I just. It makes me. It just makes me wonder. What, where can I draw this this line? I mean, I feel like there's. I'm. I'm. I'm getting dots here, and I need to connect the dots somehow. Uh, but when you told me that you saw this orb during Hurricane Sandy, that kind of made my ears perk up. I'm thinking, okay, uh, is there something that relates one to the other? Because I, I say that because um, there's different things. Different things that I've heard or seen. For instance, there's a guy that I'm trying to get on the show, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you a little teaser with this. Um, he has captured on video a UFO coming out of the water uh, in a bay where he lives. And um, I've seen the video and I've seen the photos. It happens incredibly fast, but it's definitely something coming out of the water. And there was a storm coming into the bay and that's how he caught it because he was taking video of the storm with the lightning. And when he reviewed it, he saw, you know, this UFO coming out of the water. Um, so I, it just makes me wonder if there's something with storms and, and UFOs or orbs or something like that. I just find it curious, you know? Yeah, I agree. I've always wanted to, it's funny you mentioned the, the, the flying out of the water thing because I live on an island, like I keep saying. Um, I'm very interested in the USO theory, the un- uh, unidentified submerged objects. Those things, those things mess with my head. But I mean, it, I have an abundance of water around me, so absolutely, it'd be, it'd be fun to go looking for it. Well, what do you think about that? I mean, you you said it yourself, unidentified submerged uh, objects. What do you think? I mean, have you ever heard of any stories like that around where you live? Um, obviously, you've heard of it. So what are your thoughts on that kind of idea? On the idea itself, um, I don't know. I really don't know. I I think that in order for there to be an underwater submerged object, then there must be, you know, 
un- or un- unidentified, I apologize. Uh, there must also be unidentified flying objects because they have to either be made on the planet to get into the ocean or come from, you know, another dimension or another another galaxy or planet or anything like that. So that somehow they have to get to where they are. So whatever whatever it is, I don't think that it's human. I don't think that it's human at all. But um, what exactly it is and where it comes from, I really couldn't tell you. Yeah, I I have my own theories, obviously. That's all I do is think about this stuff. Um, <laughs> but, you know, here's one thing. There are a ton of UFO sightings. Just to say UFO, you know, and let's just group everything into that. The ones that we see coming out of water, ones going into the ground, ones in the sky, whatever. Just everything that we see. There's tons of them. Absolutely tons of them. And um, I have a hard time thinking that they all came from another galaxy and are here operating. It makes me wonder... Like these are physical objects, as far as we can tell. I mean, we know that you know Area Fifty One happened. We know that there's been crashes. These are physical objects. These physical objects have to be constructed. They have to be built, and there has to be beings, entities, whatever you want to call them, that build these things. Where, where are they being built? Where are these beings gathering to do these things? I mean. What if, what if, just to say, just straight out of Hollywood, what if a UFO, you know, has mechanical problems and it crashes like Area 51? Well, what if it didn't crash? What if they were able to, you know, preserve their, the UFO, land it, knowing there's mechanical issues? How do they fix it? You know, like, I don't know. Like, it just makes me wonder, like, are, is there any kind of like, alien base where they're they're actually actively repairing and building these things whether they're here from here or not i still feel like there's got to be something here on earth that they're able to gather at and maybe i don't know like are they here for some kind of fuel source i don't know does that make sense at all oh 100 percent. i agree completely there's probably maybe even more than one kind of like outpost where they could be organizing to repair stuff or Build things, anything, um, as to, you know, why they're here. I, I like to think they're not here to take any sort of fuel or create any sort of, you know, friction with uh, the inhabitants that we know of, at least. I won't say that they're extraterrestrials yet, but um, I'd la- we have, we're looking right now, at least uh, if we haven't found them already, but we're looking out in space looking for life and other solar systems, other planets, everything like that. I mean, I hope that, you know, if we ever do make contact, it's with the, you know, scientists who are looking for the exact same thing, just from another place instead of, you know, a threat, because if they have the technology to get here, they probably have the technology to cause some problems. So. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think us as a human race have quote unquote found them. I mean, I'm sorry, there's no way that you and I are sitting here talking about these things because of what you've seen or what other people have experienced, yet the government's ignorant to it. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we yeah. know, we, we've heard of, you know, MJ-12 and all these different operations within the government for these particular things. Uh, we, we, know, we know that they know, 
you know, and, and it, it, the evidence is there. I mean, we, we thousands upon thousands of pictures and videos of UFOs. I mean, we know that they're here, you know, it's just, where are they from? I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the answer, the really, for me, I think we'll get the answer one way or another one day. I don't know where that answer is going to come from yet, but I think one day we're going to get an answer to that question. Uh, probably with, I think within our lifetime, I really do believe that. Uh, because I mean, people, I, don't, I hope I don't offend people by saying this, but, um, people are stupid, but they're not that stupid, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, like yeah. really, I mean, come on, you could keep us in the dark before we had internet, but now you gave us internet. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's so easy for people to compare notes and exchange information. You can't keep the, you can't keep the lid on this forever. Eventually it's got to, it's got to pop off. So mm-hmm. that's my thoughts. Um, but you said, uh, earlier that you also had a paranormal ghostly experience. And I'm, I'm interested to hear about this because of, uh, some of the people you were with that night. You want to go into that? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Maybe I know that it was it, it was about the, it was the same year for sure, and I'd say it was probably a month later because I think it was around Halloween. Um, I, my mother and I have always been you know very, very big believers well, for the most part. My mother more than me around this time, but um, we're all very into you know the paranormal and stuff like that. We'd watch horror movies together, and you know like if we were ever hanging out or anything like that or for mother's day we'd like watch a scary movie or something so when you know it was coming up on halloween two people from you know some of the big ghost hunting tv shows said that they were coming to the island they weren't filming or anything like that they were just coming to the islands and anybody who wanted to come investigate with them was welcome to um you had to you know put your name in and pay a fee but um they're just for the, because to pay for the hotel rooms that they were investigating in. So, um, in total, I think there, there's me, my mother and maybe 20 other people from the whole Island who showed up. And, uh, so if for the, those who want to know that the two people were Joe Chin from ghost hunters international and, uh, Brian J. Kano from the scared show. And they brought a, uh, medium with them. Her name was Tiffany. She was very nice. And um, so we split up into two groups. Uh, one group of about 11 people went with Joe, and the other group of 11 people went with Brian. I was with Brian. So we went to this hotel. I'll leave it unnamed in case anybody from the island is listening and um, don't want to you know, take commerce away. But we went to there's two buildings. One was, you know, like extra rooms in case the hotel was overbooked or something. And then there was the main building, which had, we had rented two rooms that were conjoined on, I think a third floor in the main building. And then the entire, you know, extra room building was just completely empty. So we had access to all of it. So I went with Brian into the extra building first and Joe and his people went into the main building and we spent an hour in each building and then we switched. But, uh, while we were in extra room building, um, we set up this 
piece of equipment. I don't exactly know what it's called, but basically it creates a like electromagnetic field, like a big bubble force field around it. So if anything that could affect the electromagnetic frequency or field like came through it, it would it would start beeping really loudly. If anything went through it, it would start beeping really loudly. So I set it up in the corner. Um, and after a few little bugs where I accidentally turned on the shadow detector and then moved around and set it off a bunch, I, we got it set up. And we spent about an hour in there uh, doing an EVP, electric electrical voice phenomena so we just had a voice recorder and you're asking questions um because the electronics will pick up something that the human ear might not so we would record ask questions listen back for any sort of answer um and in the end we didn't really end up with anything on the evp the the electromagnetic field beeped maybe twice but um you know nothing earth shattering i mean creepy enough but Nothing really groundbreaking. Uh, we checked out the rest of the building with little handheld EMF readers. Got maybe one tiny little blip. Um, so nothing was really happening there. Uh, and then we switched to the other group. And we weren't allowed to talk to the other group, so we couldn't, like, mix up our stories or anything like that. So we could, when we, you know, debriefed at the end, we wouldn't, you know, have tainted information. So we swapped on other sides of the building, and we go up to the the uh, two conjoined rooms. I don't remember the numbers. They're somewhere out there. I can get them. But um, we go into one and then two people, some professional investigators who were not from TV shows, but some professional investigators go into the next room. And <laughs> there's they're some guys. They're two, you know, former army guys, 6'4", 270 pounds of muscle. Not people that you'd like expect to be scared. Um, and that'll come into play later. But, um, uh, Brian says, you know, we're going lights out. So whenever you're doing something, you have to turn the lights out. I'm not entirely sure why, but we do it. And, um, we sit on this kind of, there's two couches and they make like an L and in front of the couches are, is a coffee table. So on the coffee table, we put a K2 EMF meter, which basically has a row of lights up at the top, like six lights tiny little bulbs and depending on the reading you know it'll progressively more lights will light up from the left so we start asking questions and say like come closer to the emf meter this device for yes and stay back for no and immediately we started getting responses um and you know the question some of the questions we asked were like are you male or are you a male are you a female etc um, you know, are you a child? Are you under 10? Are you over 10? Are you over 20? Um, you know, things of, things of that nature to kind of, you know, get a sense of what we were dealing with. And eventually, after probably 15 minutes of playing with this thing, um, we had determined that it was a little girl, like maybe seven, eight. And um, she was coming from one of the bathrooms. We didn't really know which bathroom because there was two because it was a conjoined room. So there was we had two bathrooms. One was big, one was small, and we couldn't figure out which of the two bathrooms it was, you know, tied to. So I went into the next room because I was, you know, not to sound, you know, 
bad, but I was getting kind of bored, which is not the best thing to do in a you know ghost hunt. But I was getting bored with the, the EMF meter, so I went into the next room with the two army guys. Um, I, I don't remember their names, but um, they were just sitting in like the you know the traditional hotel comfy chairs and looking at the bathroom. And they had not been present in the other room. They might have overheard us, but I, they really weren't paying attention. They were they had been you know smoking cigarettes and, you know, swapping war stories or something, I guess. But um, they were looking at the bathroom when I walked in and they said, like, you know, hey guys, like, what's going on? And he's like, uh, nothing. We're just like, we're getting like a bad vibe from that bathroom. And I'm like, oh, oh well, damn, I, dang. That's like, that's a bathroom. And we had determined in the other room that, you know, there's something tied to one of these bathrooms. So I asked them like, have you gotten any like readings on your technology? And they're like, well, we've been sitting here with a spirit box, which is a really interesting piece of equipment that cycles through FM and AM radio signals, uh, radio frequencies at like a really high rate of speed. So like somehow the spirit's supposed to be able to manipulate the sounds from those frequencies to form words. And I've seen it work. I've seen it work a lot of times. Um, I fully believe that it um, is an effective tool, but we, they had been using that trying to get readings from the bathroom and apparently they'd gotten both of their names and um, go. They, they, they got like the word go from uh, the bathroom. So they were, you know, understandably freaked out and I kept talking with them about it and, I decided to go into the bathroom. So I don't know why I chose to do this, but they had said that they were, you know, kind of creeped out from the bathroom and I guess trying to show off, be like, yeah, I'm, I'm brave. I, I tried to like walk into the bathroom. So I did, um, hesitantly. And initially I was very creeped out. It was much darker than the rest of the rooms. Uh, I just attributed that to the fact that there wasn't any lights on. Um, but I went in there and looked in the mirror and like almost instantly all of my fear went away. I was like, oh, no, this isn't so bad. It's just a dark bathroom. And then, you know, I like looking closer in the mirror because I thought I might have seen something, but I kept, you know, brushing it off. Like, no, this isn't, no way this is actually happening. This is just, you know, my mind playing tricks on me in the dark. And then I looked at the shower, which was behind me, and the curtain was closed, and I I could swear that something tugged at it, and I was like, no, I I noped out of there real quick, and went back into the other room and told Brian, and I was like, after that one right there, and he went over there with his EMF meter, and you know we started getting readings from that too, so we we're like, okay, so now we know which bathroom, we know it's a seven to eight year old little girl. And that's about it. But so then we took out, we had a lot of equipment. We had a lot of equipment. So we had these things called dowsing rods, which are, I don't really know their origin. I believe it's a native American tradition. Uh, and basically they're rods that can, they're there. You hold two handles and somehow there's, two horizontal rods coming out of those handles that can turn with like zero friction. So like if you tilt it all, it'll turn. So we took two of those, 
put them in a stand on the coffee table. So like, you know, people couldn't move their hands and make it respond. So I put it in a stand on the coffee table so it would move on its own. So the idea behind it is that you put like, like if a spirit puts like a minimum amount of pressure on the dowsing rods, they'll turn. So like it should be, you know, easier than trying to manipulate an entire table or Ouija board thing, which I will not, I don't play with Ouija boards, but um, we put the dowsing rods up and we started saying, you know, cross the two rods for yes, uh, open them really wide for no. And we determined using this method, you know, a yes or no method, because we couldn't like spell anything else. We had to go really slow with yes or no. We determined that she had drowned in the bathtub of the bathroom I had gone into. And somehow it was like an older man's fault. We didn't know who, but it like, I, my assumption was, and still is to this day that it was her father who, you know, it's sad, uh, but they drowned her in the tub, which is very dark. And, uh, we, that was pretty much it. We, with our equipment, we didn't like after, Oh no, there's one more thing with the dowsing rods. After we had asked a bunch of questions and, you know, determined that somebody had like an older man had drowned her in the tub, the, the two rods pointed at me and my mother was sitting on the couch next to me and she's, she got like, you know, really angsty. Like, why is, why is this thing pointing at my son? So she physically moved the dowsing rods to point the other way. And they came back and pointed at me again. And we did this like three more times and my mother got really annoyed to say the least and took the dowsing rods out of the stand and put them on the table and, you know, said that we were done with that. Um, and the theory was that because, you know, I was at the time 12 years old, that since this was a, a young girl that, you know, it was, it was trying to talk to me because I was the closest to her in age. Everybody else was a parent or, you know, even older. So I was the person closest to her age. So maybe I was the person that she could most closely relate to, but, um, yeah, having those dowsing rods point at me for like seven consecutive minutes was just terrifying. And that was pretty much it because uh, Brian, the leader of our group, didn't he he didn't really tell me why, but uh, like he didn't he didn't really like it either. And uh, so we went and we talked to the army guys real quick in the other room who said, yeah, like we've been getting some some weird stuff going on with that bathroom. We heard our names. We heard it tell us to go. And we think that we saw like something sit down on one of the beds. Like we saw like the imprint of somebody putting their weight on one of the beds because there was two beds in there. So we all decided like, all right, we definitely have way more than enough evidence. So we're going to call in the psychic and then we're going to leave. So um, a rundown of when you use your medium is like, you don't tell them anything like, you blindfold them. You don't tell them the name of the hotel. You don't tell them or, or wherever you're going. You don't tell them anything about the place so that they can't have a biased opinion of what happens because, you know, as much as many, you know, true psychics as there are, there's probably triple fake ones. So we were very careful with our, our medium when we brought her in, we didn't tell her anything. She hadn't, she didn't even know the name of the hotel she was in a completely separate room on a completely separate floor and didn't get to talk to anybody. She didn't have her cell phone. So we brought her into the room 
that we had been investigating it and gotten all of the reports and all the, the readings and the equipment. And right off the bat, she says, oh, there's a little girl in here. And, you know, that was, like, terrifying. And also, you know, at the same time, I'm sitting there like, okay, you know, she's real. She, she, she's not in any way I'm trying to fake us out because she just confirmed what we're getting with actual equipment and, you know, all the, all the information that we've gotten by ourselves. And she hasn't been in communication with any of us. So immediately all doubts about this person, um, left my mind. And, um, she, you know, kind of sat and talked, she sat down on one of the beds, like the king size bed in the room with the coffee table and kind of like cocked her head to the right you know, like a, like a cat would when it's trying to listen. And, you know, I, I have to assume that's what she was doing was like listening to something or sensing whatever it was. And then she said, Oh, the little girl likes to play in the water. And we thought that she was talking about the ocean because the hotel was like a beachside <laughs> hotel. So we're like, no, she can't leave the bathroom or no, she can't play in the water. She has to stay in the room. And she's like, oh, no, I'm not talking about the ocean. I'm talking about the water in the bath. And I just got up and left the room because I really didn't want to mess with that anymore. And nobody really did. So we all left at the same time. And uh, by now we've spent maybe two, two and a half hours investigating. And so Brian pulls out his radio. That's been off. Well, not off, but hasn't gone off. They haven't, he hasn't used it or anything like that. Um, just so we can get in touch with the other team. We've been with them the whole time, so they haven't been, you know, swapping information or anything like that. So he pulls out his radio. He's like, okay, Joe, bring your team back. We're going to debrief in the conference room. And, you know, they had similar results as us in the first building that we went to, the, the extra room building. Nothing, nothing happened in there for them either. So that was a really uneventful place. But when we got to the room that we had gotten all of our readings and they said, yeah, we had, we, we had some crazy readings, but we didn't ask the same kind of questions you did. We just, you know, if you're here kind of deal. So like, if you're here, come closer. And they got like every single light on the equipment would light up. The EMF field thing didn't turn off for like the entire time they were in there. And then the, the, the worst part that um, I have goosebumps talking about it. Um, one of the people said that they had seen a little girl's head pop out of the same bathroom that we had, you know, uh, gotten, we determined that there was a little girl who had died in and like that, that's just like a, Oh wow. Kind of moment. Like that's the second that all, you know, skepticism really left my head. And I was, I was still like 12 years old, but I walked in there, you know, like a pretty diehard, skeptic like I, I enjoyed scary stuff but I didn't really believe in any of it and right then just all of my skepticism went out the window and I have yet to go back to that hotel mainly because I you know I don't really need to use a hotel where I live but um man I'm trying to you know find a way to I know what rooms those were I have it written down somewhere I plan on going back and uh, we'll see if the same stuff happens. But that was really the the biggest like spiritual encounter I've ever had, and I haven't really experienced anything before or since then. Let me ask you: 
what made you look into a mirror? I mean, you're in there and you look into the mirror. A lot of people don't, I mean, they could be at home in their bathroom with the lights off and don't want to look at their reflection in the mirror. It's just a creepy thing. What made you look in the mirror? Um, honestly, I, I couldn't tell you. Uh, I, I guess like it was a really small bathroom. So, I mean, I could say that it was, there was really no other place to look unless I wanted to look at a toilet. But, um, I don't know, like the mirror, it just like, it seemed it, to, to put it in, you know, the best words that I can, it just seemed like the most attractive place to look, which, you know, kind of sounds, you know, like I want to look at myself, but, um, it just like, I don't know. I, I walked in and the mirror was on my right and it just like kind of, I don't want to say like called to me cause that sounds cheesy. But like when I saw like, you know, the kind of glint of the mirror, I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll, I'll look in there. And I really, I couldn't give you a good reason on why I chose to do that. Like if I was doing it in a way that I would usually, you know, clear a room, like if you're, if you're going in the room and you're looking for a bad guy in training or something like that, you, you open the shower curtain, you check the cabinets, you look under the sink, you look behind the toilet, everything like that. But for some reason I didn't do that here. Maybe it's because I was 12, but you know, I, I saw the mirror and the mirror seemed like the best option for some unknown reason. Um, and now thinking back on it, I mean, something could have conceivably manipulated me to some extent to look there, but, um, really I, I couldn't tell you, I couldn't give you a good reason on why I did. So do you remember roughly how long you were looking in the mirror before you saw the shower curtain tug? Um, I'd say, I don't know, cause it felt like a lot longer than I know it really was. Um, so I'd say maybe 15, 20 seconds at most. Well, that's a pretty long time to be, uh, staring into the mirror and stuff. I mean, I, I, cause my, my first reaction was, I thought maybe you just kind of glimpsed into the mirror and saw the curtain behind you, but now that I'm thinking back of how you described it, you were, you were looking into the mirror because you had to look back behind you to the curtain to see that. Um, did you hear anything? I mean, when, when you saw that curtain tug, did you hear the, the curtain kind of move at all behind you? No, that was part of the scary thing. Cause it didn't like the rings didn't move. It was just like, like I looked like something kind of like, not brushed against it. Like it looked like someone took their fingers and kind of like raked against it almost like made like cup their hand and, you know, pushed against the back and like it, as if they were trying to move the shower curtain without grabbing it. Um, and I don't know, I guess that's the best way I can describe it. I didn't hear anything. It didn't, the whole shower curtain didn't move. It just looked like somebody had like tried and missed to fully pull back the shower curtain. I got you. Yeah, because I mean, I find it, I just find this whole thing interesting because the other group said they saw a little girl's uh, head pop out of that bathroom. And that was before you went in there, correct? Yes, that was before we went in there. And we hadn't, we had not spoken to them. Nobody from our group had, you know, talked except for to say, you know, switch. Okay. So they, her head pops out. The two military guys here their names and they, they know there's something going on in the bathroom. Then 
you see the curtain tug. So clearly that whole night, I, it seems to me at least on, on a more broad level that it wasn't necessarily focusing in on any one particular person throughout the whole 20 people there, but it was more focused on the group. But within that group, it was, it was kind of leaning towards individuals because it did seem, did seem like it was leaning towards you where you, you see the curtain tug, but then also the rods point in your direction. Uh, We work hard at being healthier. And what we really need is better quality sleep. The new Sleep Number 360 smart bed intelligently senses your movements and automatically adjusts your comfort and support on both sides. This is not a bed. It's proven quality sleep. It's the biggest sale of the year where all beds are on sale. Save 50% on the new Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart bed, plus special financing only for a limited time. To find your local Sleep Number store, go to sleepnumber.com. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See store for details. Uh, did you at all feel like you were being singled out? I felt like I was definitely being singled out when the rods were pointing at me. However, I didn't necessarily feel like it was malicious. I didn't feel threatened. I did feel like I was being singled out, but I also thought like, Hey, like this is just, you know, it's a kid. Uh, I'm a kid. I would, if I was looking for somebody in a group like this, I'd probably look for the youngest person too. But, um, I don't know. I was really the only person that it made contact with more than once. So, like, I definitely felt like there was, you know, it was trying to somehow make a connection with me specifically. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely sounds like um, there was communication uh, on different levels. Have you ever heard of the story? Um, I think it was, or not the story, the, the game. I think it's called Bloody Mary. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, I have played it, in fact. Okay. Um, before I ask you what happened when you played it, um, well, let me ask you, what, what happened when you played it? Did anything happen? Um, I, I, don't think, I don't think anything happened. Um, I think I, now I will not say that nothing happened because when I played it, I've played it a few times and sometimes I've just been like, okay, this is fine. And then there have been other times where I could have sworn that I saw something like move in the mirror behind me. Um, and those times are really freaked me out. I just bolted out of the bathroom, but I never saw anything that I can like a hundred percent confirm was, you know, not supposed to be in the bathroom in me. Cause I think that, you know, it's dark. You have a little bit of light from under the door maybe. And you're looking in, you know, a mirror in the almost pitch black, you're, you're probably going to see something. Um, you know, it's just, I think that's just human nature. So I couldn't really confirm or deny if anything happened, because if anything, if I thought anything happened, I didn't stay long enough to find out what it was. Yeah. Uh, how old are you when, when you played that game? Uh, I've played it a lot of times. I think the most recent time was on base, um, over on the mainland. Um, me and, some of my shipmates were, you were messing around because you get really bored when you're on shift. Um, and it was uh, just after taps, and which is lights out. It's bedtime basically for all military personnel, which is 2311. And um, my best friend at the time was chief of security. Um, he was like the lead 
not a military police officer per se, but he, he would set what's called Firewatch, which is the people who, you know, are the security people for the, the building at night. And he was like, okay, you, me, uh, Simmons, who was our other friend, you're like a trio. We're going to go to the head, uh, the bathroom and turn out all lights and we're just going to mess around. That, <laughs> that sounds bad. But um, we're going to go and we're going to, you know, play like Bloody Mary or something like that. I'm like, all right, you don't really seem like the Bloody Mary kind of dude, but I'll, I'll, I'll humor you. So we go in uh, and it's, you know, it's like a school bathroom. It's pretty much tile floor, bunch of sinks, bunch of stalls, some urinals and stuff like that. And you turn out all the lights. There's a little bit of light coming through the window, uh, even with the shades down. So enough that we can like make out each other. Um, and we, you know, we, one of us goes up to like the middle mirror and goes like bloody Mary, bloody Mary, bloody Mary. This was Simmons and Simmons, he's a very rock solid dude. He doesn't really believe in any of that stuff. So, um, he's just like, yeah, no, this is nothing. Uh, Keenan, the chief security guy goes up and he's like, he does the same thing. Nothing. I go up. Um, none of us really got any reactions, but, um, I mean, it, it was enough to, to creep us all out, but then, I found out later that uh, one of uh, not, not us, not in my group, because um, we were allowed to be out after tabs. Um, other people are not, but they a few people had snuck out and they had thought that they had heard someone, not necessarily from the bathroom, but on the same floor as us. They thought that they had heard someone. And granted, it's a it's like a hotel room except smaller. It's like hotel rooms, except smaller. So there's like a room, a room, a room, a room, a staircase, a room, a room, a room on each side. So it easily could have just been, you know, a sailor or uh, one of the Marines or somebody. But um, they said that it sounded like a woman and male and female bunking is on separate decks. You're not allowed to, males are not allowed on the female deck. Females are not allowed on the male deck. So, and that's, that's heavily enforced. Like we go into the rooms with flashlights in the middle of the night. So to make sure that, you know, there's no intermingling in the middle of the night. So it was, you know, it's, it's strange to have heard a female voice on the male deck, uh, but they didn't, they didn't, they couldn't make it out. Um, they just said that it was coming down the staircase. I didn't believe them because you could not hear anything coming down the staircase at any point in time. There were three reinforced steel doors between um, our deck, the staircase, and then uh, the next level of the staircase and then the female deck, there were three reinforced steel doors and a big uh, fan blowing on the staircase. So you couldn't hear anything from the staircase. So, but these people just attributed it to that because they didn't want to deal with the alternative. And, but that's like the creepiest thing that happened that night, which was funny because we had played bloody Mary earlier in the night. So we didn't really know what was going on, but um, that's the only time that I've had anything, you know, really happen. Um, that was, Probably not like early, early April um, on a Saturday of this year. Okay. You know, I just heard today an interview with a, um, I guess he was an ex-Satanic priest. And he described, he was talking about how he got into what he was doing. And he said that, I think he was he was a kid. He was probably like 12 or 13 years old, I think he said. And it all started with that game Bloody Mary for him. 
they played that game and they actually saw a face in the mirror, an entity uh, on demand. Like he could do it anytime and he would get this entity looking back at him in the mirror. And um, he said that he started playing the game uh, Dungeons and Dragons. And this was back in the 70s. And he said um, they actually put real um, spells in the game back then. Uh, And so he was playing with the whole idea of magic and things like that. And um, he he was just curious. He wanted to know if this magic thing was real. And so he he started um, playing with it and uh, casting his own spells and he hit the, what really kind of topped him over, put him over the top with, okay, this magic thing is, it's real. Like this is real stuff is he, uh, he combined a spell with doing bloody Mary and, uh, the results that he got from doing that, um, were huge. And so, uh, no, I, I just found that, found that interesting. You mentioned about the mirror and then I started thinking about what I heard today and all that. It's, it's interesting though that you, you have heard of that game and you've played it several times. I remember when I was a kid, um, kids would play it and stuff and I can't remember if I played it or not. I know I was around kids that were trying it. So chances are I was at least in the room with them, but, uh, I don't remember anything ever happening. Uh, you mentioned earlier about, uh, the Ouija board thing and that you don't touch Ouija boards. Um, what's your thought process behind that? So, uh, since, um, I went and did this hotel investigation with the, the, you know, the professionals from the TV series, I've been trying to do it on my own with very little success because I can't afford, um, anywhere near the amount or quality of equipment they have. But I think I just picked up the last piece. So everything's falling into place, but, um, I've been trying to, you know, be a paranormal investigator where I live because there, there aren't any. We live on a very small island, so there's really there's no one here besides me that would really put forth the effort, time, or money to to do this. And the first rule of paranormal investigating is do not play with Ouija boards because uh, I don't know. Did you ever see the movie The Conjuring? No, no, I haven't. I I try no. to stay away from those movies. They they freak me out too much. Yeah, fair. But um, in The Conjuring, there's it's, it's a true story for the most part. But um, there's the two like lead paranormal investigators that this country has ever seen, um, Ed and Lorraine Warren. And Ed is, they're like, basically they're like um, Catholic church commandos when it comes to, you know, like dealing with demons and spiritual activity and stuff like that. So if, if somebody thinks that they have a problem in their house, the Catholic church, maybe I don't remember if it's like a local church or like the actual, because they get approval from the Vatican for most of their, their, you know, expeditions. So the, the church would send them, even though they weren't like ordained priests, they were the church's special team of investigators back in like, the the 70s through all the way up to i think today uh ed died a few years ago but um lorraine's still out there and they tell you like i I believe they have a book out but um in an interview with both of them they say like like ouija boards like it's like playing russian roulette i believe that's how it was described was uh playing russian roulette so basically you know russian roulette you have one bullet and a gun you spin the cylinder and you have 
uh, a one out of six chance of pulling the trigger and dying. And that's like not the exact proportion, obviously, but like if you're playing with a Ouija board, you have, you know, there's a chance that you'll end up with, you know, a friendly spirit, but there's also, you know, a chance that you'll ruin your life and end up with something demonic through the Ouija board. So it's, it's a game of, you know, spiritual demonic Russian roulette. So you just, you stay away from them. I tell all my friends, like you pull one out, you, you even like show me the box. I'm leaving your house and I'm not coming back. So nobody messes with it around me. No one, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure they've done it and just not told me, but I don't, I do not under any circumstances mess with Ouija boards. Yeah. I mean, with the whole Ouija board thing, I mean, you just can't, you don't control what comes in from the other side in that situation at all. And uh, I've heard stories of that too. I mean, I, I know when I was in, I think I was in college. I'm pretty sure I heard this from a, a professor in college. Uh, he was actually asked to come over to somebody's house uh, to help deal with a problem from uh, playing with the Ouija board where knives were actually sliding in underneath the door while they were playing the game. And ever oh since ever since that point, uh, they were experiencing a lot of crap in the house and stuff, and he uh, he went over to to help them deal with it. Um, but yeah, so I mean, the whole Ouija board. I mean, when I was a kid, my mom told me don't touch the Ouija board, blah blah. So I I just never did. But there was there was two girls in my neighborhood who uh, messed with that stuff because their mom taught them how to play with all that stuff. I mean. Let's put it this way. The the two sisters, they invited me in the house the one time to watch them levitate a table with their hands on top. Oh my god. <laughs> so I, I didn't I I didn't go in though. The other guys did. I didn't. I was like, no, I, I think I'm gonna stay out here. <laughs> Good job, Tony. Yeah, no, I, Good call. But I'll tell you, man, it's just so funny that I, I, I do this show and talk to people that experience this stuff because when I was a kid growing up, this kind of stuff scared me so much. I stayed away from everything. Like I, I just, you, I can't even describe to you how much this kind of stuff scares me. And I don't, it's not like I'm not scared of it. Like if something were to happen right now, like I would be scared probably. Yeah. But it's like I don't I don't fear it like I used to, you know. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, like no, yeah, I get that one hundred percent. I uh, I'm more confident in who I am as a human being now uh, compared to when I was a kid, and I just um, I know who I am, so I don't fear it, even though I wouldn't want it to happen, you know. Yeah, yeah, I got you one hundred percent, man. So, um, before we get out of here, I want to ask you, what are your thoughts on? the whole paranormal realm of things. Uh, what? That's very broad. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what do you think these entities are? Do you think they're, it's like a singular thing, like one thing that people are, are experiencing, or do you think there's certain, there's different levels going on here when it comes to these spiritual uh, entities people are seeing and experiencing? Oh man. Um, so, I believe that so I'm, I'm going to attack this both, you know, very scientifically and I'm going to attach it, attack it like with the woo factor. So we know science, this is basic biology. You know that there is energy inside your person. Okay. You have electrical signals in your brain controlling everything you do. 
um, and you are both consuming and producing energy. So if you die, energy cannot be created and destroyed. The law of conservation of energy, it can't be destroyed. So where does it go? Um, you can say that, you know, some of the, you know, the physical energy goes to the place that you're buried, you know, worms, grass, you turn it to you know, compost, basically you're buried or burned or something. Um, but what happens to, you know, the electrical energy that is going on in your brain? Cause that just, does, that doesn't just get the grass. It doesn't get burned. It goes somewhere. So that's why we use like electromagnetic frequency readers is because, you know, these, Spirits can, you know, affect the electrical fields around them. That's why lights flicker. That's why our equipment goes off. That's why flashlights, you know, their battery drains, camera batteries drain, or at least we think so. We can't confirm that, of course. But um, I, I feel like that's, you know, the closest we can come to a scientific answer for it. Um, to attack it from the woo factor, um, as, as they say, um, I am... I, I know you're a very Christian man. I'm not um, a Christian person. Um, that's not to say I'm not necessarily, you know, religious. It's just I'm not. I'm I'm very open. So I feel like, you know, to to some extent, maybe every religion has has uh, you know something true behind it, if not a lot. Um, there's a there's a saying, not a saying. There's a quote from an actor who was in one of the James Bond movies that, that uh, I hope nobody, you know, gets offended by or anything like that, but it's a, it says, um, people, uh, think you're, you're crazy when you talk about, you know, Thor and Odin with their, their spears and their hammers, but it's, it's perfectly acceptable for a guy to turn water into wine. So when it comes to religion, I don't think that there's really, there's, I don't know if there's one way or if there's, multiple ways depending on what you you choose or uh i i really couldn't tell you <laughs> the truth about religion at all um at least from my eyes i know that everybody has their their own idea and i'm perfectly okay with that sure. and but um when it comes to that i do think that you know we probably go somewhere in in the military community um we have every religion, of course, but um, you see a lot of, you know, predominantly Christian people. And then something that's actually making a new reappearance is um, like Scandinavian paganism, which is really obscure. But um, mm. something that I, you know, you hear till Valhalla a lot, and sometimes people mean it, sometimes people don't mean it, but. You know, a lot of people in the military like to believe that there's a special heaven for warriors, Valhalla, and and then in every religion there's some form of afterlife. Um, that random Scandinavian one was kind of just, you know, making my point. But I feel like there's definitely a place that you're supposed to go at least, and I don't know if you either get denied from it, like if you are trying to get into heaven and you just you just didn't qualify for some reason. Maybe you were just a bad person. Maybe you didn't, you know, were never forgiven. Maybe you did something wrong um, and you get denied. Um, but you're not necessarily, you know, bad enough to go to hell. Maybe you end up, you know, a spirit wandering the earth. Um, 
something that we usually deal with in paranormal investigation though is just like emotional ties. So when somebody does die, they get attached to, you know, either their remains, where they died, something of importance to them. Um, that's why you have things like, you know, cursed objects and uh, like the Annabelle doll, uh, which is a, a big movie. There's a doll that, you know, was seemingly possessed. Things can attach themselves to certain places that are either, you know, they can be, you know, someone's soul, someone's spirit, or they can be something demonic, which... Demonic doesn't necessarily mean, I mean, there's a lot of ways that you can interpret a demon. A lot of people think that uh, they were created by Lucifer or are human souls that have just been tormented to the point that they're just no longer human souls. There's a lot of just ways that you can do it, but they're evil. No one can really deny that part. So you have, you know, conceivably good spirits, and then you have, you know, Hellraisers over here who want to ruin your life that can get tied to anywhere and you know i fully believe that both of them are real and i also believe that in my personal opinion that both were at least once human um because i've like i don't think that there's a like i am i do like you know cryptids and cryptozoology and stuff like that so i definitely think there's certain things that we that do exist in this world that we just don't know about. But I think that I don't think the demons are just another, you know, race of spirit. I think that they're, you know, just what happens to evil people because I've seen evil people before. And, you know, the things that you hear demons do are not all that much different than some of the stuff that I've seen regular people do. So like when it comes to it, I think that, that they were, human beings and somehow they're on a different plane now that they're they're you know their vessel their body is gone that's my two cents on what that you know the spiritual realm really is okay yeah i got you man i've i've heard so many different uh ideas and different things i mean even within the um uh, for lack of better terms, religious community. Um, I hate that word religious, commu- religious period. Like I just, uh, but that, we'll get on that some other time. Um, but just, just <laughs> say within the religious community and stuff, you ask somebody uh, who, you know, they're, they're serious about their faith or whatever. You ask them, where do demons come from? And if you ask a room of a hundred people and they all write down their answer, you're going to get like, at least five or six different responses on where demons come from. And so, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of different ideas and thoughts behind, you know, where this, this whole other realm, it's, it's an unseen realm, you know, and we know it's there, we know it's real, but we're left trying to figure out how, where, and why, you know? Um, yeah. So, I mean, it, for one thing is for sure is it's there. You know, like I just did the, um, the, uh, the blob fest, uh, festival last weekend or two weekends ago, and we had a vendor's table there and this one guy comes over and, you know, I, I start talking to him and I tell him about the show and what we're about. And he's an older gentleman and, uh, he kind of like chuckled and he's like, well, do you believe in that stuff? And I was like, well, I'd have a show done, right? You know, like, uh, of course I believe that this stuff is going on. And he's like, there are no such things as ghosts. And I looked at him, I said, how could you possibly say that? Of all things weird and unusual, ghosts are like the most 
um, common uh, thing people experience, you know, like it's like ghosts and probably UFOs. I mean, like, I, I'm just so surprised that there's still people out there that want to deny the existence of this, this unseen realm. I mean, I mean, I guess if, I mean, if you're, I mean, if you're talking about atheistic, um, uh, mentalities and stuff, I'm sure. Yeah, it makes sense. And I guess, cause you, you wouldn't believe that there's anything after you die, but, um, I mean, even that I don't understand because I mean, some people would say, well, okay, well it's energy. So it doesn't have to be anything spiritual, but it's energy like you were describing earlier, but that's what I'm saying. Like I, what I just laid out here was like three different thoughts, you know? So, I mean, it's yeah. just, um, you know, I, I, it's a, it's a, it's a, uh, it's a puzzle that may never get completely solved and, and I'm okay with that. You know, gives us something to talk about, gives us something to talk about. So, (laughs) yeah. Well, Riley, I really appreciate you coming on tonight and talking with me and sharing your experiences. Uh, If you ever have anything else you'd like to share, just, you know, let me know. Absolutely. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. All right. Bye. Well, that's the show, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it. I had a good time talking with Riley, and I really do wish him a lot of luck in the military. If you guys have any questions, like I said, shoot me an email, or if you've had an encounter you'd like to share with me, whether it's UFO, Bigfoot, alien, government conspiracy, it doesn't matter what it is to me, go ahead and email me at theconfessionalspodcast at gmail.com, or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com, hit the connection section, and you can reach me that way as well. And a quick reminder, I'd like to let you guys know that we are doing $3 a month memberships now on the website. So if you couldn't afford it before, we have dropped the price. And if you go to the website and click the membership section, you can sign up to become a member. And that will guarantee you one extra episode a month that only memberships have access to, plus a lot of extra content as I upload it. I really hope you guys enjoyed the show. Have a good week. Take care, guys.
whole social media aspect of our society, I, it's a problem. It really is. And it's never going to get better because you're never going to take social media away from people. But um, it's a problem because I feel like we've been conditioned now over the last, what, 15, 16, 17 years since the year 2000, turn of the century, Y2K, all that crap that went down. Like we really mm -hmm. saw a technology boom once the century turned. Um, people are being conditioned to not think, just do. And so whenever there's something going on, Everybody has to have a reaction to it, and they all think they have to have their voice heard. And the first thing they read that they get emotional about, either they agree or disagree with, they go right to the Facebook and they, they write a stat, status saying, oh, Trump's this awful person, or Trump's awesome because he did this. And it's like nobody wants to think about anything anymore. They just want to react. Yeah. And it's yeah. it's scary. It's scary because we're, we're literally becoming a country of buffoons. And and. It's and like I said, it's only going to get worse because I have the like, I don't, I don't even want to say it's a theory because I really believe it's going to happen. So this is what I believe is going to happen over the next 10 to 15 years, probably sooner though. Um, there's two things that are becoming pretty prevalent in our technology society. And, uh, and I'm no, I know you've heard of it, uh, AI, artificial intelligence and, uh, mm -hmm. virtual reality. Those two things are going to be, um, huge in the next few years. Absolutely huge. Like right now there's companies developing, um, programming software and things like that, that it's not the best, but it does, it does the job. It, it's going to get better. Like if you, if you think, um, Oh, what's that thing? Um, that what's I think it's like Amazon sells it. Um, you talk to it and it just it tells you stuff. Oh, oh yeah, the uh, the Amazon Echo. Echo, yes. If you think like things like that, Echo are amazing, which they are. It's nothing. It pales in comparison. Like AI is going to get to the point where it literally can think for you and know what you want before you even tell it. It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna have an algorithm that it, it learns you. Like AI is already doing that. There is a program that um, operates off artificial intelligence and it, it's just this like computer program. And it has like these gaps where like it was like this computer buildings and stuff. And they put a um, like a fake person in there, like a skeleton almost. And mm -hmm. the, the computer, without anybody telling it, figured out, learned how to take that skeleton and make it walk and jump across the gaps between the buildings. Like that's. Like that's what we're doing. That's what we're dealing with here. We're talking about computer artificial intelligence that is learning on its own. And that that in itself could be a movie and dangerous. In fact, they've made movies about that. Uh iRobot yeah. with Will Smith is all about that. Um but uh also the virtual reality thing where people are literally going to have to struggle with the decision with what reality they want to live in Artif artificial intelligence and virtual reality are going to be married together. And I think like things like Facebook, I think you're going to see one day Facebook go virtual reality where you actually go into this virtual reality to socialize with the people on your friends list, things like that. And it's going to get to the point where it virtual reality is gonna be so good that people aren't going to want to leave it. They're not going to want to leave their houses. They're not going to want to go do things because the virtual reality is better than the real reality. And for me personally, that's scary. That's scary. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to get there, but I think that's where we're going. I, and I think that, you know, it, I, go ahead. Yeah, it's just, it's funny that you mentioned that. Actually, I just saw a, a trailer for a movie where that exact situation happens where it's like maybe 
20 years in the future and everybody, the only solace they have and the only real place that they spend any other time is in like this virtual reality world and where they can pretty much do anything. Yeah. And, and that's scary because it's possible. And that's the thing. Like, I, I don't, I hate the, I hate, I hate this term conspiracy theorist. And I guess that's what you can label me, I guess, in a sense. But I, I think personally, what I, what I say, what I think is logical. Like when it comes to that stuff, like, I think that's disclosure. I think that's soft disclosure where that like, they're allowing you to see what they're going to do. So that's not, a, not, not such a shock to you. Um, mm-hmm. For instance, uh, I believe that the alien phenomenon is going to become a very real thing in our society globally uh, in the future. And I think that all these quote unquote alien movies that, I mean, you have some alien movies where the aliens are straight up bad guys and they want to eat your brains, but there's a lot of movies out there that try to make these aliens um, turn out to be these good, peaceful beings. And I think when we we're, what we're dealing with is some kind of disclosure where they're, they're, they're psychologically setting your brain up so that when this happens, you're not freaked out because I, I really believe that they're going to come forward and say, yes, we've made contact with aliens. They are here, but they're here to help our, our, they're here to help our, our race and us to, to the next step of our evolutionary process. And I think that's going to make a lot of sense to a lot of people when their government is saying it's okay because if the government came out and said aliens are here, we're being attacked, people are going to be going crazy. But I think if they if they come out and they say, yeah, aliens are here, but they're here to help us, I think a lot of people are going to be starting to connect the, the dots to all the theatrics that they've been exposed to through TV, uh, movies, where aliens are coming to help. And it's going to help keep people calm in the middle of a transition. I think you're going to start seeing like the whole transhumanism. Do you know what transhumanism is? I've heard of it. I don't know too much about it. Okay, so I'm I'm really digging in my bag here. I didn't plan on doing this, but I'm <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, so transhumanism is basically human beings um, changing their bodies to uh, have robotic, organically or robotic features. So, like, uh, say you lose your arm, and now you have a robot arm that literally is another arm. But it's not your your biological arm. Um, yeah. And so there's that whole transhumanism thing going on, uh, where you're actually seeing that happen. Like there, there's a lot of um, you. All you do is Google it, and there's a there's a lot of scientific things happening right now where they're 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 starting to try to transform the human body, basically to not age, to to not die. Like they 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 believe that. DNA can be manipulated, and if it can be, be manipulated, we should manipulate it so that we no longer age and we're, we don't die, basically becoming gods. And it's just this whole I, – I believe that it's all working together towards one thing. Um, and I, I, I say that because I really believe that the whole alien idea of things, I think that the part of that, th- that process is going to be they're here to help us to evolve into this, this next phase of our existence, which would be transhumanism, where you, you yourself can be a god and live forever by taking on these features. You know, um, And for me as a Christian, I, I just <laughs> – it doesn't – it doesn't mix good with me, you know? So like if that day ever comes, 
one, if that day ever comes, just know that I told you about it. And two, <laughs> uh, and two, if that day comes, know that I'm going to be on the front lines of bucking the system. I ain't taking no chip. I'm not taking any pills to make me uh, to help transform to help cure. Because what they're going to say is, take this pill and it will be it will begin to help cure your DNA as if your DNA is flawed and it needs fixed. That kind of stuff, Tony ain't playing with. I ain't playing with it. You you can <laughs> you can tell me that you're I'm going to live an extra three to five hundred years by doing these things. I ain't touching. I'm going to be one of those crazy Christians that are, are holding humanity back from evolving into the next stage. I'm going to be that guy. Be like, Nope, not me. I'm, what it's going to be like is this, you know how like people look at Amish people now and they're like, why, how could you live like that? Like I, I live in Pennsylvania and, and there's Amish in Southern, Southern Pennsylvania. Dude, these people horse and buggy 24 seven, they don't do cars. They, when they, when they're farming their fields, they do it the old school way. Like, that's the way people are going to look at me as a Christian in the future. I really believe they're going to be like, they're going to be like, you're this person's living with 2017 technology when they could be living with 2050 technology, you know? Um, yeah, it is what it is though. But enough about me. We're here to talk about you. Um, <laughs> uh, so you want to talk about your paranormal experiences, right? 